If you're like the vast majority of the world, lately you've been binge-watching some of the latest shows on Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, or any of the other streaming services that are offered. This so-called streaming war is now, in the light of the recent news by AMC, hitting the movie theater industry hard. Melissa Boudreaux is our guest on today's episode of the Trendsetters podcast, and she is the chief marketing officer of an entertainment company that is dealing with this problem exactly. In this episode, our founder Jake and Melissa have an incredible conversation that revolves around being proactive, not reactive. How will movie theaters pivot or even change in the light of the new pandemic? Melissa talks about the messaging and changes that she's anticipating for the theaters in her organization. There is so much value jam-packed in this episode. If you're enjoying these conversations with these amazing CMOs, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share on any platform that you wish. Thank you for listening. Now, to Jake and Melissa. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another Trendsetters CMO podcast series. Today, I'm joined by Melissa. We're going to dive into a variety of topics. Melissa, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm eager to uh, hop into the conversation today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I hope I can bring some value to your listeners. Well, I can assure you that will happen. So I think the first question that, that I find most interesting is really what the role of a CMO is, and I know we sometimes hear this from Fortune 50 brands, uh, but I think it's different for a lot of the uh, you know, mid-market players or non-companies with a million different departments. Uh, so perhaps you could shed light into what the role of the far majority of CMOs actually looks like. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, people think the CMO is like this glorious, like the most fun role in a company. And don't get me wrong, it, it is. But the CMO really oversees pretty much all functions of the marketing department. But then also, depending on the company you work for, if you work for a small startup, you could be also in charge of guest service or customer acquisition. And that's a big part of marketing, too. If you're in a bigger company, like you said, like Fortune 500 or something like that, you may have a team of 120 people reporting to you. It really just depends on the level of market that you're in. But our main focus always is what's the brand message? What's our marketing strategy? How are we communicating to people? And how are we trying to grow our market share? And so that's a lot of the things that we look into. But there's also a hugely analytical side of being the CMO too. You have to be looking at your numbers in digital, in print, in traditional, and even social. So, you know, over the past 10 years, I would just say with marketing, it's just ever changing, right? And it's growing. If you think back 20 years ago, nobody had to worry about digital. So you think about now and how the CMO role has really had a huge growth in in the past even 10 years with all the social media it's it's pretty crazy so the cmo actually oversees a lot of different things but the main thing is in my opinion 
is branding, getting your message out, and then figuring out how you're going to acquire customers or guests to your company. Yeah, certainly. The The overall objective is simple, but then the, the pieces to get there is quite complex. And I think they're only increasing in terms of the scope of what those look like. Yeah, now, sure. as we yeah. see this industry continue to you know evolve and new digital trends and mediums, there's new characters, new personalities that tend to pop up from time to time. Uh, one probably most notable in the marketing space, and I think you know, avoiding the name, uh, you know, would would just be completely ignorant. Is going to be Gary Vaynerchuk, who a lot of people only see the entrepreneur business side. I know yourself and even myself. I'm more so looking at the actual agency side and and some of the interesting facets that have come from that whether positive or negative. I'm curious to hear your take on you know, him as a character and that approach to marketing, how that's kind of shaking things up because I know it's, it's quite the polarizing character. Yeah, what's, I, I actually really like Gary Vee. Um, as someone who worked in marketing, I didn't know who he was until recently the past several years. And when I found him, I find him to be really interesting more for personal branding and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he has a lot of good points too. And obviously he runs like a 700 person marketing agency in Manhattan with big, huge accounts. He knows what he's doing and he knows what he's talking about. I think a lot of what he says outwardly is more for personal branding. I think there's pieces of what he says that you can apply towards middle market or bigger marketing campaigns for larger companies. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that he's authentic and he is who he is. And I think that that's really important for brands to, to notice and be notable. And also with just, if you're trying to do a personal brand, this world knows when people are not being authentic. And that's one of the biggest shifts that I've seen, I would say in the past several years with digital marketing, nobody wants to be pushed down these sales funnels. You have to be really honest as to who you are and what your brand is and what value do you bring to your consumer? And I feel like that's a lot of what he talks about if you look in between the lines. And I think it's really respectable. Now, I think there's a lot of other people out there that are, are faking it. I think he is the real deal. Yeah, certainly. And, and something I always think about when it comes to uh, the complexity and, and the authenticity piece is how we're moving towards that is almost like, is this just a cyclical game that we're playing where marketing will get more complex, 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 but then we're at, we have that inflection point and before we know it, advertisements will go back to just signs on, on the, on the wall or, or digitally that is that just say, buy my product. Like it's so interesting how authenticity could potentially progress, but um, I, I mean, look at Apple. Apple is a great example of something that in the 80s had a very just basic marketing streamline. They still do it today and it works. I mean, mm -hmm. there's something to be said for that too, but they're also very authentic to their brand. Yeah, certainly. And that's where the brand has to be there as well. Now, shifting gears a little bit, uh, kind of connecting with Gary Vee and, and some of that content model is the streaming wars and content entertainment moving digitally, you know, Blockbuster versus Netflix. Now we kind of see the winner there. Now we are entering one of the more unique periods of time where content at a massive scale, productions everywhere, displaced and behind these paywalls. How, how do you see that playing out? And, and what are some, some things happening? I know recently, 
there, there was kind of a, a, a tiff between production versus an actual theater firm. So like, how do you see this playing out from, uh, you know, well, there's plenty of takes on it, but how do you see this ultimately playing out? I mean, streaming is something that's talked about all the time. And, you know, one thing working in the exhibitor side of, you know, showing films is people always say streaming is going to kill the movie theaters. Streaming is going to kill the movie theaters. We don't believe that, right? I think after this quarantine that we're in right now, we're really going to see that people want to do things together. So I think I think streaming has has a, a market, right? I, I think there is a market there, and I think it's in a in its own bucket. But the movie theater bucket will still be there too. And I think at some point the streaming will get saturated. And, and the winners will, the heroes will rise to the top and the smaller streaming platforms will go away. Just like in social media, how we see the winners go to the top and the other ones start to fall away. That's how I feel about the streaming services. And then as far as, you know, streaming and movie theaters, there's been so many studies done that people who actually stream are also very avid moviegoers because that's just what they're passionate about. So I just think it's another vertical. I don't yeah. see it being... A separate vertical and i think there will be a time where there'll be too many and people will be overwhelmed and not everybody's not going to want every single one of them and people will find their segment you know marketing is getting very segmented and people will go to their segment so everybody's probably not going to have hulu and disney plus and netflix and maybe they do now but as more start to be released i think people will start to narrow and figure out which ones that they actually want yeah and then you know, it, it'll just be based on, on your demand. And a great analogy that's always used is we all have kitchens in our homes, right? But we still go out to eat. Yeah. So with streaming, we all, we, we've all had TVs in our homes, but people are still going to go out and want a shared experience. Yeah, certainly. And, and I can tell you from the perspective, uh, uh, of of Gen Z on the marketing agency side, a lot of our a lot of my peers, colleagues, whatever, particularly in the business environments, there is such a black and white on or off, you know, zero or one binary decision making when it comes to disruptive technology. It is you know, oh AI is going to come in and change everything, and oh Amazon's here. Well, why does Walmart exist then, and why does this, and and so like you know, to your said, I think that kitchen analogy is perfect. Now my question to you is as a CMO, how do you assess those technologies and, you know, and then actually start to innovate? Because there's no denying that, that it could potentially take market share, um, you know, in, in those different arenas, but it's certainly not going to be the gloom and doom that we might get on a headline article, right? So how do we assess that? And then how do we take steps to address it without trying to pivot our entire business? I think one of the biggest things about marketing that some people totally miss the mark on, like you said, they're very black and white. You have to be nimble. Like if you are not nimble and you're not ready to, you shouldn't be reacting. You should be looking at the trends that are happening initially, right? Check Google trends, see what kids are doing. You know, what apps do they have on their phone? Are, are the 10 to 14 year olds all still on YouTube? What are they doing on YouTube? Do doing your research and staying ahead of it is the first thing that I would say that everybody needs to do. And you're right. Then you don't change your whole business and pivot around it. But how can you supplement your business and add some things that maybe bring in some of this element? So from our perspective, 
Can we do streaming parties? Can we start bringing esports into our theaters? What are some of the things that are trending right now that we can partner up or, or work with together? So I really encourage people to try and find ways to still be innovative, but stay true to what your core focus is. Make sure that you're staying on the front of it and, and be willing to change. And, and if everything's going to safe move to streaming, which it won't, be prepared for that. How can you get involved? You know, finding innovative ways to, to put your foot in the door is, is a good start. You do not want to be reactive. You do not want to be the person who all of a sudden this trend is coming and you're behind the cough because then you're just trying to play catch up the whole time. Yeah. So I think it's about that research process and then getting yourself in a position to be proactive to that, to supplement, but not necessarily to change everything entirely. Now, right. when it comes to uh, you know being nimble and staying up to date on those trends, we are very literally called Trendsetters Media, so we have very much an affinity for that. Yeah. You know, what are some resources that you're consistently tapping into to stay up to date with those trends? And, and I'll, I'll preface it with this for our audience. I know everyone listening to this right now between the age of 18 and 30 likely is just thinking that they're young. And so what their friends say is the gospel, right? For like what's actually happening. I can assure you as someone whose job this is, that's not the case. And we have to uh, expand our horizons and where we're getting knowledge from, both at a global scale and even you know smaller and not just marketing, but also look to tech and to business, like all these different infrastructures. So I think uh, I'll let you now kind of cover some of those resources or where you look to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like to I like to follow certain like people on social media that might be in the space that I'm in. I see what they're doing, I observe what they're doing, and then if I feel I need to expand further, I will. But I also think going to trade shows. I know people think that that might be like something of the past. I actually think it's very helpful to find people either that are in your same industry, talk to them, see what's going on. Networking is still a big thing. What are other people doing? What are the big guys doing? You know, is it cool? Is it fun? But then also maybe even looking outside of the industry that you may may work in. Like you said, tech. Maybe you go to a tech conference. Maybe you go to a food and beverage conference, even though you have nothing to do with that. And you see what they're doing to innovate in their space. So I like that. And then I also like, like I read ad age and I stay up to date, like on box office magazine. And, you know, I, I check their articles. I've, I follow things on LinkedIn. I like to find research, you know, through people that I know and I trust. And I think LinkedIn's an underutilized platform for, for actually learning things too. Mm -hmm. So, and then, like I said, I really like to just younger generation. I talk to them. Yeah. What do you do? You know, I have nieces and nephews and I say, what are you doing? What games are you playing? What's fun? What's because they're going to be the decision makers for how we consume content and what we do in the future for marketing. So I, I really do like to chat with them and ask them what they're doing. Yeah, certainly. We, uh, we have a, a community of about a thousand right now that we are consistently tapping into. Some of the answers that we get are, I mean, it's incredible. They're some of the most comical answers I've ever, and you'll uncover some of the most in, weird exotic insights but then you actually dive deeper and you're like, oh my God, I, I had no idea it was at that level. So I think like you said, that qualitative analysis, uh, just take things to the next level. Yeah. Now- Market so research, I mean, read market research. You can read market research and I like to just actually ask people what they're doing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that qualitative anecdotal evidence is, is one of the telltale signs. Now, something you mentioned earlier regarding authenticity uh, for brands today. That's mentioned and you know, we talk a lot about authenticity. And, and just yesterday, I, I was on a podcast with the president and CMO of uh, Paps Blue Ribbon. And so they talked about this for a 175-year-old brand and how in awesome. 08, 09, they, they gave the big kind of FU to corporate uh, and they were the whatever. And so, and then you see other brands in that industry like Natural Light, you know, coming out and just trying to reach college kids and it's a little less authentic. And, and then you have Bud Light working with like all the biggest celebrities and such, Miller kind of, I mean, interesting things happening there, but they're like, we just kind of do our own thing and it's real and it's authentic. And, and, uh, and so that, that's been their approach to it. I'm curious to hear from you though, like what, what that actually looks like, because I think it's a buzzword it's talked about, but everyone, it's hard to read the, the label when you're inside the bottle. And I think a lot of times we think we're authentic because we actually know ourselves, but we're not thinking about, well, what are we actually showing for other people to know? I think, so I used to work for a company called Moostra Mountaineering, and it's an outdoor company that's like competitive to REI. And I think for us, we always were like, we need to be authentic, we need, but we didn't know what that meant, right? We just said it all the time, like what you're saying right now. Yeah. And so finally what we did and what really helped our company is we came up with five core values. And we actually honestly really stuck to them. So before we did any marketing campaign, we said, does this meet our core values? And then before we bought any product, we said, does this meet our core values? And our core values were like, only do cool shit. Like, you know, they were like yeah. literally that fun. Like that was one of our core values. It literally had a swear word in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think we said stuff when we like put it in print. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we literally would make checklists and say, does this meet those core values? And I think that's how you stay authentic to your brand and what you stand for. And I think if you don't have those core values, then you are maybe going to do something like some of those brands that you said that are, you're kind of just like grabbing at things because yeah. you want to see what works. If you stay authentic and true to those values and what you're really, your company's really for, your customers know. They know that and they will respect you and stay more loyal to you because of that. Look at Zappos. Zappos is also a great example. They have wonderful core values and they really legitimately stick to them. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible insight. And it's, it's, it's odd that oftentimes the best external marketing, you know, outwardly to consumers is first starting internally. Culture is a huge part of it. And I think there's companies that do a really good job at examining their culture. But like I said, at Moostra, it was like from the person shipping the box to the, to the top CEO, we legitimately checked those boxes for everything that we did. And it, it really, you felt the difference when we started, because I was there before we did it and then after. So I think that even if you had one core value for your company, like what's, what is something that you always stick to? And if it's outside of that, then you don't do it. Yeah, and you might makes... lose some revenue, but in the end, you're going to have more loyal following. Yeah, some of those tactics might work in the short term, but if it's not built under or on top of a cohesive brand strategy, it's it's a, a futile short term play. Yeah. Um, that's not going to last long term. So, and speaking of long term, uh, my final question for you: 
is, you know, we've talked about some of these disruptive technologies, some of these changes in the market um, and our approaches to those as well. Authenticity, kind of a new trait, I would say that it's always been important, but maybe more important in, in today's era. What are some things potentially along the horizon that, that you might be research, researching or that you're thinking about that you know might not be commonplace or not common knowledge? And I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on like what those things are. It's funny. I know everyone's talking about TikTok right now and TikTok yes. is like this huge thing. And I know that that's just a small piece of the puzzle. I think right now I'm trying to figure out how does a brand get engaged on doing something there, but is not selling advertising. How do we organically do something on that, that channel? And then there's a few other like little social media channels bubbling up. I'm just trying to figure out like, do we need to be in that space? Should we be doing more on YouTube? Because YouTube is basically Google, but you can search you know, it's the second highest search engine in all of the internet, right? So yeah. you can search any video. Those are a couple things that I've just been looking into, you know, how do the other things I just think about is like, where do we start to draw the line? How many channels do we need to be on? Do, are, are we not going to be relevant if we're not on Twitter? You know, do we still need to be doing billboards, traditional marketing media? So these are the questions I, I basically ask myself every day. And, and again, it comes down to analytics, testing, it, it, testing things and seeing if they work is the biggest answer. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm not really answering your question, but no, that's the best answer. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that comes at me every day that's new and we have to make the decision, is it worth it? And then should we test it? And, and yeah. looking at the analytics is really how I answer those questions. And I think that I'm a tester. Like I, I do want to test and make sure that we're doing things you know with snapchat when snapchat was out i was like how do we market on here i don't i don't know what to do without paying a ton of money for ads you yeah. know so it's always trying to figure that out and when you're a mid-level marketer organic marketing is really like where we need to be yeah yeah without you know like we don't want to spend a ton of money you know if we were bigger i'm sure snapchat wouldn't be a big deal for us we would just buy an ad and we would be on our way mm -hmm. but when you're in the middle you're always trying to figure out this kind of organic way to still reach customers while you're doing some paid. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's easier for, because I know TikTok, the ads right now, um, or at least in, in the last month, they'll charge 50,000 yeah. minimum yeah. to even get started. And so, I mean, we, we've done a lot of things with the influencers on that platform uh, at smaller budgets yeah. and organic that, um, yeah, our audience is going to think I'm planting people to say TikTok, but no, this is not... <laughs> Because, no, you know, uh, <laughs> it's the biggest thing right now. I mean, you could become famous after one video. It's, it is, that is the new hot thing right now. And there'll be something after it. And yeah. I'm always just trying to figure out what that, what that next thing is going to be. But then if it also makes sense for your brand, you shouldn't just go on TikTok if you don't know what you want to do on there. Yeah. And yeah. Inf you know that you bring up influencers. I have a question for you. Hey, I man. mean, do you think influencers have, have changed with Gen Z and like, do you think that it's not as popular anymore because it did start to feel a little not authentic with some influencers? Definitely. I think our approach to influencer marketing has changed quite significantly. It used to all be about followers, likes, impressions. Now I can tell you, I mean, I literally have a, I'm getting the Slack notifications right now for a, a, literally a campaign we're pitching 
in which case we're actually advising a client to spend more money on influencers with less followers than the current the other proposal from a different agency with more with less dollars because we judge it based on uh, their brand their personal brand loyalty and how that audience is then mobilized to specific campaigns so I think the approach to it is changing and then we've done a lot of damage and had the most success with micro influencers so yeah. those that haven't yet reached that pre precipice which for TikTok, that that's a very wide range and you can still get people yeah. that have you can still get people that have a million followers on TikTok, but don't have massive brand deals and that's where we found the, the most success because they're not at the valuation that it's going to cost a ridiculous amount and they're willing to work with you because if this hits and goes well they'll get more brand deals right. so right for it, sure and you want to find people that actually do like the brand and care for the brand that you're trying to get the micro influencer for they're going to be more passionate than someone that's already hit their influencer status yeah exactly yeah but that's an yeah. incredible question and and i think the the era of influencer TikTok, youtube these are all questions that i'm having to come up with answers all day for and uh that i know our audience is is always researching and exploring and it's 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 an interesting time to be in this uh this era one thing i can tell you about marketing i've been doing it for a long time it will never stay the same so if you don't like change this is not the the place for you to be you have to be always ready to change it's ever changing it changes every day an algorithm yeah. could change and change everything that you've done yeah exactly I, I i'm always saying that i'll look forward to the day when i'm on I, I would say the other side of the you know now being a younger individual it's like i feel like i know it I know one of these days I'm going to come in here and there's going to be some intern working for us that hits me with something. And I'm like, I didn't even know that existed. Like yeah. there's a new platform. What? Yep, <laughs> so it happens. until then though, I, I feel young and I, I feel on top of it, but uh, yeah, it was truly a pleasure having you on. This is, you know, incredible insight into the role of what a CMO actually looks like at that mid market, how you're approaching things and uh, what the future of you know content streaming looks like. So this is an incredible episode and insight. Where should people, should they hit you up on social media or do you not want all the notifications or? No, please. Okay. If you want to follow me, you can find me on LinkedIn. If you want to go the LinkedIn route, I'm just under Melissa Boudreaux. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Melissa, it's M-E-L-I-S underscore Boo. And uh, I'm there having fun. I am on TikTok too under at Melissa Boo or Melissa Boo, but I need to do more there. I'm not doing as much as I need to. Got it. We'll we'll I'll have Amanda on our team contact you. She's got she's got two million on TikTok. You guys can do a duet. We'll we'll make something happen. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I need to get after it. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank of you course. so much. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll talk soon.